This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, we've got an absolutely loaded show today because we are just one day away from UFC 282. And on the deck for today, I'm going to give you my official prediction for Blahovitz versus Uncle Liab and Patty the Batty versus Truck Gordon. Plus, 
the biggest stars in MMA, and more. But I want to begin today's show with some of the drama between Patty and my friend Ariel Hawani, as well as some big news surrounding TJ Dillashaw. Statement made by Usada. I'm getting this from Aaron Brostetter's Twitter page, and it reads as following. This is Usada speaking. Given that the UFC has commented, Usada can now confirm we have received notice of TJ Dillashaw's retirement, and he is no longer enrolled in our testing pool. In the event that an athlete is to return from UFC retirement, now you have to, I think you have to understand this. The point of commenting on TJ is now long behind us. We're going to use TJ as a jumping off point to see if we can clear up Connor's current situation. How I interpret it. In the event that an athlete is to return from retirement, they are required to remain in the testing pool for six months before they are permitted to compete. The UFC may grant an exemption to the six-month written rule in exceptional circumstances or when the strict application of the rule would not manifest itself fairly to the athlete. But in both cases, the athlete must provide at least two negative samples before returning to competition. Upon being added back to the UFC anti-doping program, athletes are also required to declare prohibited substances they have used in the previous 12 months prior to being in USADA's testing program. An athlete who makes such declaration depending on the substance will be required to refrain from competition for a period of at least six months and provide at least two negative samples to ensure that they do not compete in a UFC bout with a performance advantage. Now, that's fine, right? Do you guys get any problems with that? I mean, if you you wanted to pick that apart, where are you going to go? It seemed seemed pretty straightforward. They repeated themselves, and they repeated themselves to the point that it set off a, a red flag where you go back and read it again. And I did. So let's work through it again. If an athlete is to retire, if they want to return, aside from written exception by the organization, in this case, UFC, they're going to sit for six months. Part two of the article. When an athlete returns, they must disclose to USADA what they have put in their body. Based on what those substances are, they may have to sit for six months and produce two samples. They repeated it. How come? Like, I never would have read that twice except for they repeated it. Had it not been completely redundant, I I would have thought it was all just encompassed in the first one. But now that it's out there twice, my mind is telling me, Chael, you're missing something. There's a reason that they repeated this. What is it? You guys have it? I mean, it it seems pretty straightforward. If I was to really be a jerk about this, I can come out and tell you that that statement is misleading, but it's hard to do. With USADA, they're pretty straight, and their rules are not overly complicated. They don't play word game. You can go just yourself and get an USADA rulebook, and you then will not need to do a deduction of also sitting down with an attorney. You can figure it out. You can. It's very straight. If we're looking to give them a hard time, Anybody that just heard what I said is going to come to a very clear impression that to fight in the UFC, you have been in a pool. If you were not in the pool because you were granted 
exceptional circumstance, you have been tested two times. Any Anybody that heard that is going to come to that conclusion. That's not accurate. And I only bring that up because I feel as though that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to, we're trying to get USADA. They made a bad statement. Statement was pretty good. Statement was pretty straightforward. I think that we learned something. I will just share with you, everybody you see in the octagon was not either in a pool or tested two times. That is not true. Connor's going to be coming back. Would he be granted an exceptional circumstance? Would the, would the UFC do that? I don't know. That's, that's pretty unlikely, guys. The exceptional circumstance, just so you understand, and just to finish my thought about everybody you see hasn't been in there six months and they have not all been tested two times. You have a short notice fight. Happens all the time. You find yourself in Denver. Everybody's set up. Everybody's ready. This guy pulls that. You got to have somebody on the card. It generally would go to an undercard spot, but you grab a local yokel from Denver who's never been in the pool and has not been tested two times. Very regular thing. And I couldn't cite for you an example off the top of my head where one of those local yokels that they got who promised they were clean went on to fail the drug test. It seems like a pretty good system. Seems like a pretty good way of doing things. But I, I will point out for you that it does happen. And when it happens, it's more in that situation than to bring a star in. Because I think when you guys hear that right off the bat, you're going to go, well, Dana White is going to give that exception. That's Conor McGregor. Historically speaking, no. Uh-uh. That's, that's not how he uses it. Historically speaking, Dana's never played any games for that. It's, it's when he's in an absolute jam and he's stuck somewhere in a jumbo jet, can't get into town. I mean, it's, it, that's generally when he's used it. As a matter of fact, I use the word general, I, I believe, 100% of the time. That's the only time that exception clause has come in. So let's go back to Conor McGregor. Why isn't Conor in it now? I mean, Osada's being very clear. They could get an exception. That's, that's not going to happen. Dana's not going to give an exception. Particularly now that this is out and loud and it's just not going to do it. So Connor's going to do his six months. Submit at least two negative tests. Why don't you start that clock? Now that's a fair question. I feel as though I've been a defender of Connor in this situation. I've been a defender from a standpoint of I've been an explainer. I feel as though I understand something, and that's what I bring it to the audience. And that understanding then serves as a defense, which is just, it's hard. Logistically, it's really tough. And I'm sure Connor is working with doctors to be in the compliance of the pool, to go back and double check every, when you're in a doctor's who's just about to give you something, it doesn't work that way. And you would be setting yourself up for failure. That does not constitute peptides, growth hormones, bone builders, or any kind of an anabolic. Now, on the other side of the coin, if you're out of the pool, it could. So if it does, USADA's got a clause here. As you return to the pool, you must disclose what you have used in the last 12 months. I'd like a further thought on that. That's, that's very curious to me. Because what if they did disclose something that was very against the rules? And it's always, it's always annoying to hear USADA talk about based on substance. I mean, that does frustrate me, based on the substance, when that's not how their rules work. The, the young lady who lost her Olympic medal for having ibuprofen in her system, but it was the same two-year ban, same exact two-year ban, that the heavyweight freestyle champion was served who had multiple anabolics in his system. Loud substance, banned substance. Real, real simple with USADA. Until you fail that substance, and then they come forward and they make these different claims. I don't think that they're wrong to do that. I just know that if you're invoking laws, that isn't overly complicated. Like we got a lot of laws in my hometown. If I go rob a bank versus I have uh, speed, 
it's treated very different. It's the same enforcement. It's going to be the same police officer, but it's, it's a very different policy. And that would seem appropriate to me for USADA. There, there's some kind of a complication where they don't want to get lost in those weeds and they just make them all the same. I'm not judging that or attempting to change it. I am going to explain that to you because when they use words such as depending on substance, that again would lead you to believe that there's different categories and scheduling of substances. There's not. They're allowed or they're not. Why wouldn't Connor jump back in the pool? If we know that we're faced with this, why wouldn't he jump in the pool? He says he'll be ready for the pool by February. And it starts to make Chael's claim of an a logistics issue a little bit more difficult to make. Now, let's say that it is just that. It is absolutely something that is in violation of USADA. By the way, I've got to finish this. I'm working with a doctor. A lot of these things are cycles. Hey, you need this for 45 days. You need this every three days for 30 days. A lot of times it is. And let's say he's still in the process of that. There's your answer. You're looking for something salacious. It's not. I'm working with a doctor. It's in violation of the pool. I'm not in the pool. Therefore, I'm not in violation. I'm going to continue this until this date. Now, I'm told that it will be out of my system on this date, and I'm going to give myself an extra two weeks just to make sure because I like the rules and I want to follow them and I want to be in compliance. That would be appropriate by Connor. It's not going to sound that way. People are going to come out and pick on People are going to come out and say that he did something wrong. He didn't. He couldn't compete anyway. He was not in the eligibility of competing. And there's a similar injury, Chris Weidman, and, and I'll tell you just by similar, I don't know if Con Connor had a compound fracture. I don't know about that. But you know, he's in a fight and there's a kick and it's early on. It's the bottom of his leg. There, there's my similarities. And Chris Weidman still hasn't returned from it. Now, Chris Weidman did also stay in the USADA pool. So if you're judging Connor and saying that he's wrong, his leg is ready. But if you're saying that's wrong, then you must be praising Weidman. I mean, you have to. It's the opposite side of the same coin. What if you were to look at that and go, hey, Chris, by the way, if you took yourself out of the pool, there's actually some stuff we've got over here. This guy is using it. Should you be using it? Well, is it in line with USADA? Well, we're going to set USADA aside because you're not going to be in that pool. It's a meaningful conversation. And I don't think there's any deduction where you would come to the uh, conclusion that Chris did something wrong. And I don't think if you're reasonable, you're going to think that Connor did something wrong. Even if you want to speculate that Connor took substances that are against the rules of USADA, I don't think that you would come to the conclusion that they're wrong. Time matters. People forget this one all the time. Time matters. If I'm going to go and I'm going to disclose to USADA, okay? Now I'm John Doe, I'm not Chael Sonnen because I want to touch this crap. Guy's going to go into Saudi. He's 25 years old. It's his first time. He's, re he's ready to make it into the pros. He tells Usada, man, I smoked weed. I know, I know marijuana laws have changed as it pertains to the rules, but let's say there's, there's still a limit. And he goes, man, I, I smoked weed. It's gotta, I got to disclose it for him. And I got to tell you guys this. I don't want to embarrass. I don't want hit late. I, I smoked. Usada says, all right, you did the right thing by telling me. When did you do it? And the guy said, well, I was a junior in high school. Was at the prom and a few of us slipped out. And they go, whoa, wait, hey, it was eight years ago? The guy's going to have a good laugh and tell him he doesn't even need to put it on the form. Okay, great. But now I've proven that time matters, right? Even if you think that's a, I've now proven that time matters. And there's a lot of laws and a lot of infractions that you have to put them together. You guys over the age of 21, you got a driver's license. You are allowed to drink a lot. You are allowed to drive. When you want, 
you're not allowed to combine those two. You're not allowed to drink and drive at the same time. If you separate the two, we have nothing to talk about. And I do want you to look at it like that. Nobody can cheat USADA if they're not in it. It was interesting to say or to see that USADA had a rule that the athlete must have two negative tests submitted. I only found that interesting because the UFC wouldn't have no ability over that. They would need you to come out and to test the guy and then fly it back to the lab, get the results, and then come back and do it a second time. It would buy some time. Like if there was ever trouble in paradise, right? The United States anti-doping and the UFC decide that they don't get along very well. Like that clause did give USADA a little bit of leverage, and it will throw you back to, I want to make sure that you guys understand how PEDs work. There are things, we'll take, stay on Connor. There's things that Connor could take now that would be completely out of his system, but the benefit would remain. It will get out of your system in 21 days. The effects of it will last 180 days. There are things like that. So when Usana says it depends on the substance, we want to hear the substance because they're very intelligent. They understand how things like this work. If I have something in my system, okay, I put it in my system, I shot it up, it, it, it went high. If I don't put any more in, it, it's only going to go down. That just makes good sense, right? But I, I, don't, I don't start to have the reverse effects until it's gone. Now, once it's gone, whatever effects that was, you're going to have reverse effects. You see the great big bodybuilder and he comes off of it and all of a sudden those muscles get really soft. That would just be an example. However, you don't start to experience the reverse effects until it's gone. Not when it's reduced. When it's gone, which is very interesting. If you took the John Jones situation, well, he's a picogram. Picogram's not against the rules. Picogram is so small and a grain of salt and a pool. I understand all of those things if you want to do wordplay, but that's nothing more than wordplay. It's not that he had a picogram. It's that he has a picogram left. That is the difference. And they all, everybody understood that. They chose to work a certain wordplay. So now you're in a position, let's say in your Connor spot, you go, look, I don't think this stuff's going to show up in the test, and I'm not going to tell you. And that is private, and I don't want it out there. And I, I don't feel that I need to tell. I had my business with my, it's not in my system now. And whether I'm under penalty of violation or not for signing, the, I'm not going to tell you what I took. Feel free to test me, though. There's nothing within the article that I just read where there would be a disciplinary action. By example, something comes up and it shows in his sentence, they go, why didn't you tell us about that? Well, what, what's, what's the difference? Why didn't tell? What, what are you gonna punish me for having it? What were you gonna punish me had I told you I had it? Oh, it's the same thing? Now you know why I didn't tell you. Patty the Batty. Patty the Batty is hosting something. I call it a podcast. I call everything a podcast, though. I think you guys do, too, but that's not what it is. Like, if there's a visual component, it's now called a video cast. J just to correct that, podcast is exclusive to only the audio, I think. I, th I call Everything gets called a podcast now. Everything used to get called TV or used to get called radio. Now you got some people that are trying to say that it lives digital, but, but nobody else knows what that means. Digital apparently means on the internet. I had to operate in that space 
had meetings and discussions and emails and even give responses and use the word digital. It turns out digital means online, I think. I, I don't actually know. I got I started podcasting. You guys remember Front Row Brian? I didn't know how to get into podcast. I told Front Row Brian, hey, I think I would like to do this. Brian gets online. He finds a contact. Next thing I know, I'm talking with Norm. Getting on a plane, headed out to his office in Beverly Hills. At the time I started a podcast, though, I thought that was two words. Pod space cast. And I only tell you that story because I think that it's kind of funny. I don't, I don't think of myself as an ignorant guy. And if I was, I wouldn't reveal in ignorance. I would keep that to myself. I just found that to be humorous. Because when you get into it, Everybody's attempting to copy Joe Rogan and because Joe, Joe's the biggest, but Joe's the first one to tell you, I don't have a plan or a strategy. I never did. And I believe him. I think that Joe just went out to have fun and wanted to put this out to the world and it became something. And I digress in that area because prior to me doing this, I was the king of media for MMA. And all that that meant is if you had an MMA show, you had a podcast, you had a video cast, you had a radio show, if you could get me, you would do more views than anybody else within the space that you could get to come on and do your show. So one day I get this bright idea that I'm going to start charging for those. Now, these are an opportunity. It is a media opportunity. If you don't see it that way, don't do it. Just stay out and don't do it. I'll share for you. You will get passed up by the folks that give up their time and go and do, do it. But if you look at anything else, you may look at as though you're being taken advantage of. I was doing a show on Fox and this all started in 2012. And this went for my participation till roughly 2014. So somewhere within that window, we are going to have Mike Tyson on the show. Now, that's a thrill for me. That's a, a big thrill for me that I am going to be the guy. Mike's in a different studio. He's got the camera in front of him, right? It's via satellite, as the kids say. But I'm going to, what you guys now know as Zoom, I'm going to be the one that talks to Tyson. I'm going to welcome him in. Hey, here we are. Chael Sonnen over at Fox Studios joined by the former heavyweight champion, Iron Mike Tyson. It's an exciting thing for me. So before this gets aired to the world, before any of you guys can see it, I say hello to Mike. It's very common. Now, when I'm doing my hello to Mike, before that's filmed, before we're live, before that's coming out to you guys, what seems as a nice gesture from me to my soon-to-be guests is an audio check. Somebody could either pop in and say, hey, Mike, count to 10, just so we've got his audio and his levels in the right place. Or the host can come in and say, hey, Mike, how are you doing? Chael here. And he can respond. I'm doing good, Chael. How's everything going? All right, that's a little bit more fun way of getting the count to 10 so that we've got Mike's audio. So I do that very thing. Now, you got to understand from my perspective, I'm excited. That's Iron Mike Tyson. Well... He didn't say, it's nice to hear from you, Chael. He didn't say, thank you for having me on. He didn't say everything was going great. His body language, first off, was very frustrated. You tell by his body language he was frustrated, and his words caught up to the body language when he said, man, I've been sitting here for 15 minutes. Are you about ready 
Now, not for nothing, even though that took some wind out of my sails, on a personal note, I understood it from Mike's perspective. I really did. If, if, if I'm inviting you on, I'm going to push your message. You got a book, you got a TV show, whatever it is that Mike had, I'm going to push your message. I'm going to do it for free. That is our trade. I'm going to get whatever I can out of that. If I can monetize that, use that for ratings, that's fair game and that goes for me. But if I am going to have you on for a three-minute segment, but I made you sit in the chair five times longer then your segment's even going to be, I agree, with Mike. And I have been through this to the point that it is though I, I have lost friends. I have lost relationships. Where people would not behind my back, man, that chair was a really nice guy. There's a few people out there that wouldn't say that. That had a negative experience with me. Because we're trying to film something. They don't like it. They stop down and then they want to do the take again. And then they want to do the take again. And then they want to do the take again. And before you know it, I've spent an hour for what's going to be a 45-second piece of airtime. I side with Mike Tyson on this one. That's not equitable. I do have a message, and I can pay for commercials, or I can become interesting enough that I can get a spot on your show. I'm still advertising. I'm still selling something to the world, but this one's going to be free. It's going to be called organic. And not to mention, if it's on the show as opposed to a commercial break, it's going to be wildly more successful. Dollar saved is a dollar earned. So technically, I kind of am being paid to be here. But our agreement and our arrangement, when you need a take and a retake and another take. And so I explained this in what I thought was a very polite manner. Not, not the tone I'm speaking in right now. This, this isn't polite. I don't know that this is overly rude, Chael, but this isn't polite, Chael. But I, I did explain it in polite, Chael, mannerisms. This is the take. This is the retake. This is let me get an angle. This is let me change that. Let, this is let me adjust the microphone. So I explained to that person the two biggest things on television, absolutely and without question, are sports and the news. And you know what they have in common? They're live. You don't get to do it again. If you don't have the angle of Brady throwing the pass, you're never going to have it. You don't get to rewind it, and he rethrows the pass. If you don't have the right view of the astronauts boarding the shuttle and the shuttle leaving Cape Canaveral, they, they don't bring it back so that you get a reset. Your camera's up. Now, I think that's a fair point by me. And I don't see a whole bunch of mess-ups in sports in the news. I don't see when I'm watching these things live an announcer who's fumble or who audios go out or, or, or that could be better. I've seen it, but I can count it on one hand. I haven't seen on the news some shot or some angle that if that would have been done again, we could have seen it from a better point. That doesn't hold up. I think that that's logical by me. That doesn't hold up at all. The folks that are doing it look at, are you insane? You are a very unreasonable person. 
let me just get over here and let's do it again and that will be even better. I'm going, how about we do it in one take? I mean, not for nothing. How about you prepare yourself to work in an industry that is the number one industry within your industry, which is live, live sport and live news. That's a good argument by me. Do you know how many times I've won that argument with people within the industry? None, none. They think it's a terrible argument. All right. Patty the Batty has Dana White come on. And Patty the Batty insulted Ariel. And he said that I hate journalists. And of course he's talking about within our space, that's the only space that he operates in. And I, I kind of got to stop you right there. If First off, we've only got a couple of journalists. The Karen Bryants and the Ariel Helwanis, help me out there. Is there any other journalists? I believe Josh Gross. I would have to check that. But is there any actual journalist? Stephen Morocco should qualify for that, whether he ever went and got his degree in it or not. We have media. We have we have media. I'm media. Mm, I won't go and check and double check things. I'll tell you what I believe to be true in the moment. If I got it wrong, you know what? That's great because I'll come in tomorrow and I'll do the same thing again, except tell you I had it wrong and then we'll go and fix it. A journalist won't do that. A journalist will get it right in the first place. Errol Hawani does not report something if he has a source. He has to have multiple sources. That's his own code. Or he won't put it out. So when you come out and you say that you hate journalists, do you mean that you hate media? Can we, can we collect them all into the media in the first place? And it was more of that Ariel has guests on. That drives up the number of people that watch his show. That helps his views, thus helping his bottom line. It's like this great conspiracy cracked. It's, it's this great code solved. And it was a very bizarre thing. It was a very bizarre thing for Patty the Batty to say to a promoter who operates purely and solely on that exact premise of having something interesting. It's a star-driven business, whether you like it or not. And the more people that come in, it affects the bottom line. I thought that was very bizarre. For Patty the Batty, a guy who operates under that promoter's arm with that exact same premise. I'm going to go out and fight for the more people that can be interested. And I'm going to get those people interested through talking. And I got to make sure I let them know the five W's, who, what, when, why, and where. I just thought it was a little bit odd. I used to share the stance of Patty. And I even tested it one time. I am so good at media. My numbers draw so well, I am now going to charge to come on. So then the folks that had me on knew that the squeeze was worth the juice. I was going to change the entire industry if this caught on, though. So they did give me my money. On an agreement, you don't tell anybody that we gave you this money. And not for nothing, I felt right and I felt empowered. I did want to tell people, but I wanted the money more, so I didn't tell anybody. And in fairness, my amount of request did begin to go down. So which one do you want? That's why I just come back to the scenario that it is a media opportunity. If you don't see it like that, don't do it. Or you're going to have hard feelings. 
You're going to have hard feet. You're going to be Mike Tyson sitting in the chair, uncomfortable. Why aren't they coming to me? Not understanding how commercial breaks, not, not understanding how technology, not having how hiccups happen, not understanding Iron Mike that when we told you to be in that chair at two o'clock, most people don't show up until 2.08 and God bless you. You were perfectly on time. We weren't ready for that. It's one of these things. You're either going to like it or you're not. You're going to enjoy it or you're not. And Patty the Batty did try that early on in his career. He did try the whole, I'm good. I move the needle. If I'm going to give you my time, you are going to give me some money. I don't know that anybody's wrong in their efforts here. The part of it that I don't like is where it's presented to you for what it is, but in a negative connotation. I don't have very many guests on over here. I'm not an interview format. I will have guests on. I will call them on the phone. I will Skype them in. And then I will drop it on social media. And I will only do any of those things if I think that they're big enough to move the needle and thus bring in more money. There's not a secret there. If you think there is and you think that you just cracked the code and you advertise the code to the world because you're the one that figured it out, you're a little bit stupid. I love dressing up. Who doesn't like looking nice and feeling confident when they step out? I like to think I look pretty well put together. The one thing that is a pain is finding the right dress shirt. That's always hard because most of the time dress shirts are so stiff or they wrinkle really easy. The dress shirt has been due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt I have ever worn, and here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy whatever life throws your way. Let me tell you, this is not your grandfather's dress shirt. It's a classy and sharp, while yet comfortable, stretchy and wrinkle-free shirt. I didn't know we could have had all of this in one shirt, but Roan figured it out. With Gold Fusion, the anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. On top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch extra trips to the dry cleaner and your cans of starch. Guys, I run hot, especially when I wear dress shirts. It's hard for me not to sweat in a long sleeve in front of the lights. Since I have to dress up so often, I've been trying to find a dress shirt that is a little more breathable while still maintaining a dressed up look. I found that combo in Roan. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Chael. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash Chael. Use the promo code Chael to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to Roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash Chael and use the promo code Chael. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Guys, we are in the thick of the holiday season. This may be exciting for some of you, but for others, it can just be an added stress. Maybe you're wondering how you're gonna make ends meet and put gifts under the Christmas tree. I'm no stranger to being in a financial pinch. 
It's not fun, especially this time of year. This is where Dave can help you get your money sooner so you can spend more time enjoying the holidays with your loved ones without the worry. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. With Dave, there's no interest, no late fees, and no credit checks. That's more money to buy those last minute gifts or catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a bind this holiday season and need some extra help, listen to Uncle Chael and download Dave. The future you will thank you and me. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now or go to dave.com slash Chael. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees applies. Banking provided by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Patty the Batty fighting Jared Gordon this Saturday, co-main event. Now, the first time you've heard me say those words. It's the first time you heard me say those words because I just found out. And I don't mean as in 20 minutes ago, like I did a couple of topics on Patty this week, but I found out this week. I live in this space. Nothing gets past me. I know Jared Gordon personally. Patty the Batty's a big deal. The fact that those guys are going to be a co-main event, and I found out this week, is a big miss by somebody. Was it me? Was this? Is this on me? You guys all knew? Where things happen, I'll, I'll take it. I'm, I'm just asking. Was this on me? Now, Patty the Batty came out and he did an interview. And there was a time, a very meaningful time, but it was th- th- this rule was all through time. Don't have money. And if you have money, don't talk about your money. There was people who have ran for president of the United States who tried to downplay that they had money. Almost to the point that they lied. They did not want it known. They didn't think they could be a man of the people if they did. They thought that it would take them out and put them into a different group. Mitt Romney, right off my head, running for the president. He was in the finals. And was constantly trying to deny this incredible wealth that he had. And I could go before him. It was John Kerry, who's married to Teresa Hines of the Hines Ketchup Fortune. Billionaire. Trust thing. He went and refinanced his house. He's trying to scrape some money together to get this election off the ground. That's very common, what he did. Those, those are not unique stories. I'm sharing with you stories that were in front of the public eye where people did not brag about their wealth. They tried to act as though they didn't have it. They never bragged about it. And a number of years ago, and you could go back decades even, there was a rapper who within his videos and within building his success started flashing the money around. And he started flashing uh, jewelry around. You guys might now know that term as bling. 
That term has not always been around. And it worked. People like, they like the shiny car and they like the fancy jacket and the cool glasses and the money. And Floyd Mayweather saw this and he grabbed onto it. Floyd Mayweather used to not draw flies. And he was an up and coming. He was just as good as he was when he was selling. He'd already been our Olympian. He'd already been our medalist. He was a main eventer. Guzman had already thrown an arm around him. Had him in main event spots. But he was having a hard time drawing, and he was Pretty Boy Floyd. And he had a shtick back then. He would come to the ring and have a shtick. He would do something for entertainment. He would do his best to draw from characters like Muhammad Ali. It just, it just didn't get over. Pretty Boy Floyd just didn't get over. He then one day just switches it on a dime. He's arrogant. He's brash. He's going shopping. He's not only buying him a watch. He'll get this person a watch and that person a watch and the person behind him, and it's all on me. And he's letting the world know, and he's fleeing the money, where he becomes money Mayweather. I'm sharing with you that that has changed over time, where that wealth that was once gross is now a very good marketing arm. Connor did it. And Patty the Batty is now going in that direction. What do you think? Do you guys like it or do you not? Right? Because it's always a risky one. I could, I could give you examples. As many as I gave you of examples of people that try to hid from it, it cost them certain things. I could give you other examples where it worked for really good marketing. But Patty the Batty has been doing interviews of that. He's talking about how high he is paid from the UFC. He is talking about a deal with Barstool Sports. And he went on to talk about this fight with, with Gordon that he's not looking to stick around. He's going to go out there. He's either going to knock him out fast or submit him fast just so he can get the bonus and be on his way. And he's talking about the money. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. I just want to know what you guys say. I thought it was interesting. I'd like to know more about his barstool deal, quite frankly. I would like to know more about his UFC deal. And I know that there's truth to it. Even if there's an embellishment, I know that there's truth to it. I remember when this happened. I remember when he was very early on. He said, I'm not doing, don't give me a hard guy. Don't give me a rank guy. I'm not going to accept them. And he wasn't kidding. For what you're paying me, I'm not going to do it. He had a back and forth. He had a discussion. He won. That's a very rare W that anybody gets, but he got it. On the backside of it, he came out and said, I'm very happy. Give me anyone you want. And they started to, and he keeps on stepping into doing his part of it. So I know that there's a truth to it. And I don't find it disgusting. I think we learned a lot about Patty the Batty and that door, that ring doorbell clip. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Ring doorbell. He's walking. Do you guys know the clip? Patty's out walking his dog. The dog goes to the bathroom. And Patty had the, you know, you had that little bag. Patty had it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a situation. So he goes to the ring doorbell and asks them if, he, if they could have a bucket of water. And the person, who I believe to be female, recognized him, recognized him as Patty. Answered his question, they had a little back and forth, but then that person took the ring doorbell and put it out. It wasn't Patty putting it out. I felt like he learned a lot about him in that moment. Like, if you got this really rich guy with these really big deals, and you find out that he cleans up after his dog, I mean, right, all of those politicians that got waxed, 
that none of them seemed to understand it. They all wanted to go on TV. They all wanted to be in a, in a suit more expensive than any of us could afford. They'd all get their makeup done. They'd all get their hair just perfect. And then they'd want to talk about that they don't have money. Now, if those pricks would have done what Patty did, showed up looking disheveled, trying to clean up and do the responsible thing after their dog relieves itself, you can have as much money as you want. The people are still going to understand that you're a man of the people. Those politicians didn't get elected. They missed the boat. They misunderstood. I think that the Patty and the money story, I think that it works. I think it works in conjunction with who that young man actually is. But that's my opinion. Are you guys put off by it? Do you want him to be a man of the people? Do you want him to stay an undercard guy? Do you want him to be a supporter and somebody that you can enjoy? Do you want him to do that? Or do you want to open the floodgates? Do you want that to come in? Do you want him to stop being on the top of the bill? Do you want him to quit getting on the bus with the boys and riding over to the arena and start having his own private transportation like some of the pricks? When you see a guy arrive, they call it the arrival shot. When you see him arrive in his own car, it doesn't matter if it's a Rolls Royce, a limo. It doesn't matter if it's a Jetta. It doesn't matter. If you see him by himself, that guy is a prick. That is not the standard procedure. Everybody will get on the same transportation in the form of a van and or a bus and come to the arena. That same transportation will take them back. Unless you're not really one of the boys. If you're not one of the boys, you'll get yourself there yourself. I'm just asking what group you want to see Patty in. You want Patty to stay on the bus with the boys? You want him to get private transportation and come alone? It's two different categories. And once you make your move, you're not ever going back. Can't go back because we won't let you in. Which group do you want to see Patty with? Patty has stated the four biggest stars in MMA. I want to see if you agree with this list. He put Connor on there. Put himself. Put Chemayev. Put Sugar Sean. That's not a bad list. Think on it. What do you got? Before we think on it, here, here's something fun. All right, you know what a difference a day makes. The landscape in this sport changes so incredibly fast. We could not find a compelling heavyweight to the, to the point that we took three heavyweights that the only thing they have in common is they don't want to fight, and we made them our best three heavyweights, and all of a sudden a guy named Sergi pops on TV. I mean, it changes very, very quickly, Right? Now, all of a sudden, do, do, do you want one of these three guys? Do, do you want to take them and force them to do something they don't want to do? Or do you want to just take surgery that appears he could, he could beat all of them anyway? It becomes an interesting time. And if I was to go back in time, one year. Got anybody named Diaz. So I'm, th I'm, throwing, I'm throwing Nick in there too. And Nick had Lawler, and he's got one left on his contract, and Caesar says he's staying busy in the gym. I personally believed it all. So if I'm going back a year, I got anybody with the name of Diaz, both of them. Got George Masvidal, without question, because George was actually in the number two spot, and you got Conor McGregor. Red Panty Night was still real. That was a year ago. Now, I have to take... 
Bold Diaz is off the board because they removed themselves for the time being. Just for the time being. But you got you, you got to play along with the time being. So I'll take those guys off the board. And I don't know where George falls. I've had a lot of you come out and scold me when I come out and tell you the second biggest star in MMA is George Masvidal. Many, many, many of you have told me, Chael, that's old news. That is not the case. That's not the case after he lost to Colby. That's not the case after he attacked Colby. And I haven't had any of you agree with me. I've had, most of you have stayed silent. But people that do weigh in tell me that I'm wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. Am I close? Am I close? I mean, I, I, said, I said Masvidal was number two, and now i got a list of four. And a guy that just stated the number four didn't put him on the list anywhere. Am I that far off? Have things changed that much? Because I wasn't wrong a year ago. Masvidal was the number two most bankable guy. Connor was number one. Anybody with the name of Diaz, Adesanya was starting to scoot in there. I'm going, I'm going back a year. Let's go take a look at right now. Patty the Batty put out an interesting list. He acknowledged Red Panty Night. Great. He's right to do so. He talked about Chemayev. Now, Chemayev has been the media darling of the last three years. Unlike anything I have seen aside from the rise of Ronda Rousey. When Ronda got the media, she got it and she got it all and she kept a hold of it and it was red hot. Aside from her, I've never seen within our sport of MMA somebody be elected the darling like Chemayev. And if, and if you get that, you're going to be a massive store. You're going to control of a bigger size media. You're going to be the president of the United States. I mean, right? It's, it's a really relevant thing for how well you could do with the media. That does go to Chemayev. That does put him on the list. He could make an announcement right now. Boo, it'd be covered everywhere. Now, that's unique. That's a little bit of a surprise because this is not a main event guy. As a matter of fact, aside from the Irishmen, the three people that were put on the list aren't main event guys. They've never been in a main event. You're not a main event. How could you possibly claim that you were a bigger draw in the entire industry? I mean, use something else. The greatest singer. Oh, my God. This guy's the greatest singer. And his highest achievement is he was a backup for somebody else. He was really good. He was really tough, but he was the backup singer. Use it in acting. Oh, this is the, this is Hollywood's greatest star, but, but they never starred in the movie. They were a co-star, and I, I, th- I see what you see. Boy, he was, sure was fun to watch, but he was a co-star just of that movie. How is he the best in the entire industry? It's a unique thing. You know what? I'm not sure that Patty's wrong because of it. I'm just making an observation. I have seen Jemayev blow the roof off a building when he came in and fought Gilbert Burns. He was third from the top. And the two that came after him, just so you understand, were both world champions. And it was not close. The reception that the world champions received was not close to the reception that Shemayev brought in. Now, generally, the most popular guy goes into your main event. I think this is a fine example where, not always, Patty the Batty threw himself in there. Well, I can tell you the last event that he did, and I'll fully admit for you that it was on home soil, but he was third from the top. And the next two fights that came out, including one within the heavyweight class that also had a guy on home soil, it wasn't even close to the reception. It went Patty the Batty. 
I was at an event in New York. It was the ceremonial weigh-in. But for the ceremonial weigh-in, when they got the cameras, Holly Berry came across the stage. Do you remember this one? Amanda Nunez. Holly Berry got to get involved. It was Amanda Nunez versus Jules the first time. But for this same weigh-in, Chris Weidman mocks in. That's his hometown. Oh, man, they were happy to see Weidman. Blonde Brunson came in. Oh, my goodness. They were happy to see Blonde Brunson. Two, three, four other guys come in. Oh, they all got made to feel at home. Some dude walks in. They got, the crowd goes off its roof, and they storm. They were on their feet, and they were surrounding him to the pack that I couldn't then see who it was. When everything finally settled down due to security, it was Patty the Patty. And he wasn't on home soil. He was on American soil. And he was the biggest star that walked in the room. And he had only had one UFC fight at that point, if I'm wrong, too. So it might be Patty the Patty. I mean, that's a really good metric. You bring in a whole bunch of stars in a neutral territory, who the crowd prefers the most, that's an excellent metric. Before any of you tell me that it's not, it's an excellent metric. So, okay, let's go back to, we, we, we got Connor at top, Chemayev's controlling the media, and we all know that gets you something, so yeah, okay, let's put him on the list. Patty the Batty is moving and the swing and the needle in all sorts of directions without ever being a title threat or without even being a main eventer. He's already successfully renegotiated his UFC contract. He matters. And now you've got him who's done a damn good job with his list. He adds some credibility with his opinion, doesn't it? He's done a damn good job with that list. And he says with his credibility that Sugar Sean's the next guy. Sugar Sean went from unranked and unappreciated to number one in the world. That means something. Sugar's got a big voice. He's a young enough guy. It means something. Sugar is a quick rising star and is the biggest star within that division. That's not the conversation we're having. That's all things that I would have sat down today and I would have known. I've regurgitated and said that to you guys before. I've never been forced into a position of naming the four biggest stars. Patty has done it for us in this case. But Connor, he put himself, he put Jemaev, he put Sugar Sean. That's an interesting list. That would also mean the Masvidal's off the list. I will remind you guys, Colby is a big star. When Colby does an interview, you go check the numbers. They do big stuff. When Colby has a fight, he's made sure that he told everybody and people tune in to see his fights. He hasn't fought in an arena that's anything less than sold out in a meaningful period of time. But he's also taken his oars out of the water at least a little bit. Israel Adesanya gets a ton of attraction. He wasn't put on that list. That surprises me. I think that Adesanya right now as a draw is in the best spot that he's been in a meaningful period of time. Israel Adesanya as a challenger is going to be a stronger attraction than Izzy the champion. Where's Pierre go? Up and coming? Is he not there yet? I mean, I'm just, I'm just making suggestions for you because I looked at Patty's list and I did what I love to do when any of these young guys speak, which is to sit down and correct them. Do I have a correction to make? What do you guys think?
So ultimately, it's, it's your opinion. It's not what Patty says, and it's, it's not what I say. Numbers don't lie. I got, I got a good, strong point. Where they put three guys on the main attraction list that have never been the guy on the night that they fought. They've never been main eventers. But I've been in the arena, and I can share with you, they were the biggest draw of the night. Does it cross it out? Patty's list. Connor, Patty, Chamayev. Sugar Sean. Is he wrong? So depending on what happens Saturday, it's quite possible that Patty Pimlet appears on the UFC London card, which was just announced for when it you know, March 18th. The only question is, who will be headlining that night? All right, here's a headline for you. Let me read this from one of my favorite dirt sheets. This is from Mania. Jesse wrote this one. Blahal Muhammad claims he has already signed to rematch Leon Edwards at UFC 286. Rocky responds. That's the headline. Now, wouldn't you know that this is going down in March, right? Every single fight you've heard of in the last three, they're all going down in March. I think this one actually is in March. Okay. So the UFC is going back to London. Blahal Mohammed claims that he has already signed and that he will be fighting Leon. That's a great claim. It's very interesting. I mean, let's use that as a jumping as a jumping off point. Kamara Usman has not made that claim. When we talk about Kamara is going to be fighting Leon, we could amend that statement a little bit. Kamara should be fighting Leon. When we say Kamara is going to get the first title shot, we could amend that statement. Kamara should get the first title shot. It will be a true trilogy. They've gone twice before. They've split them. It was a head kick heard around the world. History of the UFC. When you have an upset like that, you rematch it. The example that I'll use would be St. Pierre versus Matt Sarah, part one. Everything that we say that Kamara and Leon, we do have to amend it. It, sh it should be Kamara. We could go further to say we're going to offer, we expect, we think it's Kamara Usman. You cannot say that it's going to be Kamara versus Leon. You can't do that. You don't know what's going to happen. You do not know what's going to happen between now and then. Kamara Usman has been oddly quiet. Knowing Kamara Usman, he thinks that's appropriate. He thinks it's polite. He thinks this is Leon's time. Let him have the spotlight ahead of long enough. That would be my guess. But quiet is quiet. And you got Blahal telling anybody that I want to rematch. Blahal is the one that stopped Leon's win streak. Stopped it with a no contest. Very meaningful guy. Blahal would qualify for a number one contendership in just about any other scenario except for the one we're in right now which is the champion who was ranked number one in the world, pound for pound, took a kick in the fifth round after his win in a contest. I mean, I fully understand that is Kamara's fight. I'm just fully sharing for you. We don't, we don't know what's going on. You don't know if Kamara wants to do a fight that day. You don't know if Kamara can. We don't know where the health report of Kamara is. These things are big stretches. I'm sharing for you, though, we don't ever have something until we have it. I mean, it was a week ago that we were going to see Glover Teixeira fighting 
Saturday night for a world championship. You see how very different these things are. It was it, it was that same week ago that Ankalaev was not in a title fight. Jan Blahovitz was not in a title fight. Things move really quickly. And I offer it to the extent that George Masvidal, it appears to me, is putting every egg in the basket of Kamara's not going to fight Leon next. Masvidal has turned down fights with Burns. There was a report that came out online that Masvidal and his management have split ways. I have to say it's a report online. I'm not reporting that to you. Those guys had a great relationship. I hope that it still is. But everything that George Masvidal appears to be doing from me as an outsider is hedged on an understanding that nothing in this sport is done. And the greatest way to an opportunity is to accept one when it presents himself. I believe that he is putting himself in a position to be completely ready, hoping that said opportunity appears. That's what I think. And you know what? That's not the world's worst strategy at all. There's a time and a place where eventually you, you, you've got to get on with it, but it's not the world's worst strategy at all. Three-piece in a soda is a real thing. Become the guy that Leon wants. Leon's not, Leon wants Masvidal. He's just not going to give it to Masvidal. He's now got a championship. He's not going to give him the opportunity. I think that we all get those things. Let's say Leon's getting ready to fight Kamara. He's all game on this fight. It's in his home country. The arena's sold out. For some reason, Kamara can't come. Leon's going to want to stay there, even if it means giving an opportunity to a guy he didn't want to give an opportunity to. Don't forget, three-piece in a soda took place on home soil for Leon. Like, there's very good reason that Leon would want Masvidal. Masvidal seems to be keeping himself available. Masvidal now has competition in the form of Blahal Mohammed. I don't know that either one of those guys would get the nod. With Kamara out, that division's very different. Maybe we go to the number one contender. Maybe we go to Kobe Covington. Maybe you see what Jemayev's up to. I'm just sharing for you, like, we, we don't know all of these things. And for Blahal Mohammed to be inserting himself in Leon's business, at a time that you think Leon's dance card is full, is anybody's ever... That's never a bad plan. It is never a bad plan to be ready. George Masvidal has taken a massive risk, in my opinion. I think I'm right that he's keeping himself out and he's just waiting for three-piece in a soda. He's waiting for that chance to come around, which is lightning in a bottle of a chance. But with big risk comes big reward. I think that that's what he's doing. I think now he's just got competition for it. Lightning in a bottle is going to strike. Is it for sure going to fall on Masvidal? Well, probably not. Not for sure. Now you have Leon. Now you have Lahal competing for it. It's an interesting thing, and it's an appropriate thing. Unlike every fight, this is going to be in March. Definitely have no argument for me that it should be Kamara Usman offered that fight. It should be Kamara versus. Leon, there's a lots of things that should be. That's just not the way that this sport goes. And to put yourself in a position to be successful, there's nothing anybody should fault there. The fact that Bahal Muhammad is going after Leon, he's getting responses from Leon. 
that's more than anybody else at the top of the division is doing right now. Another night of epic fights is here. Yeah, guys, I'm talking about UFC 282. I'm going to be throwing down on this one with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. This Saturday, new customers can bet just $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check it out right now. Everyone can earn up to 50% boost when you place a same-game parlay on UFC 282. I gotta tell you, Duplices versus Till can't get here fast enough for me. And they both got their eye on a finish. Guys, download the app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Bet $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code CHAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Till and Duplicy is still scheduled. All right, now, I told you guys there was no way that this fight was going to go on. And just to back that up, one time in my life, I came out and predicted a fight wasn't going to happen. It was Rumble Johnson, rest his soul, versus John Jones. And that turned out to be canceled. And people are calling, Chael, Chael was Kreskin. But if I was to give you an analysis of why I made that statement, which turned out to be so accurate, if I was to give you an analysis of why I gave that in the first place, it was just a gut feeling. I had no news. I didn't think that match would take place. And there has been matches that are like so great that they're also almost unbelievable. I've only predicted they wouldn't happen twice ever with Till and Duplicis being the second one. I remember when Vitor Belfort versus Randy Couture was announced, I just, that match isn't going to happen. That's so good, that isn't going to happen. This is before Zufa, by the way. This is before Dana White's emergence. Well, this would have been in the 90s. I was in college. I came home from college to watch that match. It must have been around 97. I think I was the exact year. 97 could have been early 98. How's that for a memory? But that match was so hot, I just couldn't imagine what happened. Oh, and then by, uh, by the way, guess what? It almost didn't. Vitor did not leave the locker room. Big John McCarthy had to leave the cage and go out of the arena. The locker room was a trailer back then, like a motorhome. And get Vitor, return to the cage. Oh, by the way, John had to go and do it again. So I was close. I was very close that something is going to stop this fight. Great. Duplices versus Till. There's a number of things that a fighter doesn't want. There's a number of mountains that no matter how many mountains the fighter has climbed, he's not going to get over that one. I used to keep track of this. <clears throat> I used to worry about my own mental toughness. I grew up in a sport of wrestling where we heard about mental toughness every single day of my life. But never, nobody ever told me that I was. Nobody ever said, Chael, you are mental tough. Guys, be like Chael. It was never like that. I was one of the guys who was being preached to every single day. So I thought that I did not have it. I knew it was something that I really wanted. And there was stresses 
that were enormous in MMA. Stresses to the point of fear. Being in a locker room, knowing you're about to go upstairs, a whole bunch of people, right, crowd sold out. I wasn't used to that in wrestling. I always wanted it. But it's the old adage, be careful what you ask for, you just might get it. Now I got it, I got to walk upstairs and do this. Oh, by the way, a wrestling match was seven minutes. I had a really hard time finishing that. I had a really difficult time with all the training I did and all the years that I did it, finishing a seven hard minute wrestling match. This thing's scheduled for 15. This guy's not trying to score points on me. He's trying to hurt me. So there's stresses that go into this, that each time it's done, there was never within me an excitement of winning. There was a relief of not blowing it. There was a relief of not sailing it in at some point, which is a very common thing to do in sport. You will have athletes break. What's unique in this sport is if you break, you do not come back that night. Other athletes will break. They'll call timeout. They'll go out. They're on the verge of breaking. It's halftime. Head to the locker room. Come back 30 minutes later. There's just some built-in things in some other sports where you have an opportunity to regroup that you do not have in this one. And when I began to overcome a lot of these obstacles, I started to write them down. I started to write them down as something I could look back on so that if I was ever confronted with that same thing again, I knew I had the mental toughness I could overcome it because I already have, and here it is, and each match provided something new. So my pursuit and my search of having the mental toughness to overcome any situation never got fulfilled because each match would offer something new. Now, I do not believe that Darren Till does not have the potential to be a world champion. I think his skills are outstanding. There is a mental side to this that he is still working through, and he's working through right in front of everybody's eyes. From started out being the brash trash talker with no apology to giving the same kind of trash talk and then winking to the audience and smiling. Now, I've been there and I've done that. I understand why you do those things. I understand the pressure that it puts on you when you talk trash about someone with a straight face. And I also understand the way it alleviates a bit of that pressure if you smile and give them an elbow. I don't think that Darren Till has a problem in ground fighting. And every time you've seen Darren Till in big trouble, it's in ground fighting. I think that Darren has been put in some really big spots where he's expected to solve that problem and many other problems that come at him in a cage in front of the world against a trained killer for 25 minutes. And that affects guys in different ways. This has always been my contention on Darren Till. Darren Till finally came out and said that that's exactly what it was. He told the UFC, no more main events. Put me anywhere you want. Put me with anybody you want. I don't want to be in that atmosphere right now for 25 minutes. I want to hang in, grit, strategize, and battle it out in a 15-minute time frame. Now, very dangerous statement, right? 
And if you're in a promotion that only wants champions and or contenders, and you're attempting to prove that you are the quality of a champion and or contender, and you say, don't put me in a championship situation, but you know what? It was honest by Till. And they listened, and they didn't, and they put him in a spot with Duplices. Now, when I talk about a guy who will overcome and who is mentally tough, but there's always something out there. There's something new and there's some challenge. One big thing that a top draw, a top name notoriety fighter does not want is a really hard match against a guy who doesn't have equal notoriety. No matter what level of tough guy you are, that is the recipe you don't want. Oh, Adesanya's floating around the division. I couldn't get a world title fight, but I can get a non-world title fight, and Adesanya is a non-world title fight. I'll fight him now. That's a really hard match, and you'll be a lot calmer, and you'll show up to a press conference, and you'll have a different pep in your step, understanding that if everything goes south, it went south against a guy who is recognized for being great. If you put me in as equally of a difficult of a match with somebody who is not known with the same reputation, the potential fall, and I got a 15%, 50% chance of failure just by going in there, that fall is going to be a lot more detrimental. And it's a hard thing to get athletes to do. And I don't know Till's record. I knew that he won some and he lost some, and that's what it feels like to me. Like, I remember some big wins by Till. I remember him getting in there and going to fight for the world championship. I happened to be there live, taking on T-Wood. I remember Till coming out on no notice to New York City, changed weight classes. He's completely jet-legged and beat KG, who was the number one contender at the time. Like, I remember these good moments by Till, but I've had other people correct me and say he's lost four fights in a row. I don't know if that's accurate. It doesn't feel that way to me. But what I feel and what I have off of my memory versus reality, that if you're coming down from the top spot, oh, and by the way, you're asking to not be in the top spot. You then get a placement on the car that is not equal to a young kid with a weird hairdo, which is the reason he's here in the first place. I mean, right, you got you to start looking around. Wait a minute. I'm not the main event. I'm not the co-main event. Well, who is the co-main event? If I'm not the co-main event, who is? Oh, crap. Uh-oh. All right. We have to win this fight. That's a lot to put on anybody. We have to win the fight. It doesn't work that way. We have to follow a strategy. We have to prepare. We have to be on weight. We have to get enough sleep. There's some things that you can say that you have to do. But if you go into a contest and you're worried about the outcome, forgetting most important thing is the performance. If you ever go out there thinking about the outcome as opposed to here are the things that I am committed to doing so that I perform well, you're going to have a problem. And if you're a former main eventer or a former number one contender and you're taking a guy named Duplices, I'm, out, I'm an insider. I watch this sport really close. I know who Duplices is. And I know he's really good. And But I know he doesn't have the notoriety of a former main eventer or a title challenger like Darren Till. And it, it's some of those things, no matter how tough a guy is and no matter what he's overcome, there are certain threats that you can put in front of him that that tough guy will find a way not to do it. It's not what Till did here. 
It's not what he did. Fight's only a couple of days away. Something to look forward to. It's a, it's a more appropriate atmosphere. We don't want the main event. It's a risky thing to say, I don't want the main event. Really risky thing. But he did it for good reason, because he wants to compete in a 15-minute atmosphere, and that's what he's going to do. And it's going to be a lot of pressure off him. And when I tell you that Darren Till is good enough to be the world champion, I think you're going to see that in this fight. I'm not ready to give you a prediction. Duplices is really good, not quite as well known. But I'm paying this off. I'm, I'm, I'm coming full circle, telling you why I laid my position out in the first place. And I'm telling you that in a number of hours, looks like I'm going to be wrong. My official prediction, Patty the Batty versus Jared Gordon. Guys, I'd like to hear from you. Now, I'm going to go with Jared Gordon. I'm going to go with Jared Gordon for a specific reason. And if this reason doesn't turn out to be true, my prediction is going to go up in smoke, which is Gordon can hold up. One, one thing that Patty does, and he really showed it in his last fight, is his ability to keep a good pace throughout the contest. That sounded easy. It is possibly the hardest thing that you can do in the sport. There's Athletes are going to walk in on day one that have power, knockout power. The coaches will teach them different setups, teach them how to get a reaction from that opponent so they can land that power. You'll spend years refining that, but you will have guys who on day one have that power. You'll have guys that come in and they're fast, real quick guy. You'll have guys that come in and they're flexible, just natural. But to have a guy who can keep a pace and endurance, that's something you can weaponize. Absolutely. And I go back to Patty's last performance, where I maintain he was not at his best. I maintain that for two reasons. Just as an outsider sitting at home and observing this, there was two things. First off was the weight cut, which was made very public. Second was a death of a loved one that Patty was carrying with him, and he let that emotion out in the post-fight interview. So there was two th two really big things that would hold you back. And whenever something holds you back, whenever you have a pressure, whenever you have a distraction, guys, you know what it does? It doesn't make your skills less sharp. It doesn't make your speed go down. It ups your endurance. It ups the ability to affect your endurance. And I think that Patty had both of those things against him. And I also think that he won that fight because of his endurance. Patty was on bottom. Patty was on bottom, wearing the opponent out who was on top. Staying busy, moving the whole time, using the fence, looking for a submission, offering a distraction. The opponent on top, who is generally the one of the two, who can get a deep breath when he needs it, got exhausted. To the point that skills started to go away and the tide started to turn towards Patty because of fatigue. And I, just, I think Jared can hold up. And Jared's been ready for this fight. I think Jared, in the back of his mind, knew that this fight was coming and knew there would be a potential that it was going to be a main event, which means five rounds. I can't prove that. I know the Jared and the looking for the fight and knowing that this was looming since March of this year. But I've also seen other Jared fights. And he's known for as hard as he hits. Or mind you, he has a brown belt jujitsu. And that brown belt jujitsu that's floating around the internet, that's been a period of time. That thing could have been upgraded to black by now. He understands the sport. He got nicknamed Truck 
for a reason. And then he can handle himself on the ground. Now, lots of guys fit the bill that I just said, and they don't go very far in this sport. They're not competitors. They don't rise to the occasion, and moreover, their endurance can't hold up. When you look at a guy and you go, oh, he doesn't have a lot of heart. You can say that to be a jerk. You could be real specific and say that guy's conditioning isn't appropriate for this event. The guy with tons of heart. That sounds like a really nice thing to say. You could also just say that guy's conditioning is very good for the rules of this event. And I think Gordon can hold up. I think Gordon can hit with him. And Patty doesn't have any deficit there. Patty's got some very weird shots and he's got a good chin himself. And now you're talking about somebody who's skilled, who's angry, who wants to be there, who is a competitor. And all of those things are reflected. And if you're not terribly familiar with Jared Gordon, there's a great opportunity, great exposure, co-main event. You're going to become familiar with him. But if you understand he's at 155 pounds, he's co-main event of pay-per-view worthy within the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and he's got a record of 19-5. and five. That's a lot. And I think Patty's going to be right after him. I think that Patty is going... To come right for him, I think you've got a long contest. I don't think you've got a finish here. I think you're going to be tick for tat. And one thing about Patty, as I am complimenting his endurance, as I'm telling you, he's got a way of weaponizing pace and wearing opponents down. He's going to need that. When we get into the third round, even the guys that do that well, every now and then they hit a wall. I'm going down a road of belief that Patty and the weigh-in Patty and the, the nutrition and the calories in versus calories to get his weight down. I'm going down a road of belief that that's in a better spot than it was. Patty has been very open talking about him. So people call him Patty the fatty and he like thinks that's funny and reposts it. But the point is, as he has been posting stuff, he does look a little bit nearer to the weight class. I think that's important when you travel. You can get away with some stuff at home. His last fight was at home. You can get away with some stuff at home. When you're sleeping in your own bed or at least in a familiar city, when you know how to get around or you even got transportation to do that, you know where to get food, you can get away with some stuff that you're not going to be able to do on the road. I think that Patty has shown a discipline. I think you're going to see a really good Patty. Patty. I think you're going to see a long fight. I also think you're going to see an upset, and I'm taking Gordon. Official prediction, Jan Blahovich versus Ankalaev for the World Championship. I'm taking Blahovich. Does that surprise you? Does that surprise you? And I'm taking it for intangibles. I'm taking it for outside stuff. I think that Ankalaev is not as likely to go and tackle Blahovich, keep him there and pound him as you think. I think that you have made leaps within your mind that Ungoliath and Islam are the same guy. But if you go back and watch their fights, Islam will advertise it ahead of time and then go do it, that he's grappling heavy and he's going to be bludgeoning on the ground. Ungoliath comes out and trades. He moves his feet. He gets in the pocket. He takes some shots back at him. And his grappling is most definitely solid. He's, I, it's, it's not where you guys think. Taking Blahovich down is not the world's easiest thing to do. Keeping them there and beating them up is not the world's easiest thing to do. Now, there are positions where if you get on top of Blahovich, he mentally gets frustrated and checks out. That's true. He had that 
with Glover Teixeira. Every fighter has that. Some fighters go their whole career and they never discover that place. Nobody ever puts them in that spot. But there are spots where the audience will believe physically you need work. And the athlete will know himself. No, mental that that frustrates me. I wasn't able to reprogram. I wasn't able to refocus. So I don't even know physically how I would do that because I didn't try. Mentally, I had checked out. I mean, I'll just share that with you. That's what happened with Blahovich versus Glover. Uncle Iev's the favorite. You guys are expecting Uncle Iev to beat him. Uncle Iev was a negative 215 at DraftKings when it was three-round fight. He moved to a negative 265 on DraftKings when it became a five-round fight. There was something about the length of the fight that helped to assure the viewer Uncle Iev's success. Standing with Blahovich is a very dangerous proposition. It truly is. Izzy Adesanya did not have a great time standing with Blahovich. And there is no need to correct me and tell me that for the moments that they stand, Izzy did better. I, I, I saw it. I understand that. It wasn't fun for him. It wasn't easy for him. There was a lot of sticking by a faster, longer Izzy, for sure. There was a lot of moving, though, too. There was a lot of moving to make sure that he wasn't hit back. And some of that lightness and some of that footwork and some of that movement that Adesanya has is, isn't the same thing that Uncle Liev's bringing to the match. Uncle Liev's really good. I do understand why he's the favorite. I, I don't think this goes the distance. Jan Blahovich could get put in one of those positions and check out mentally. Like, you can't say that he can't when you've already seen it happen once. But that haunted him. That kept him up. He did everything he could, I'm talking about Blahovich, to get back in there with Glover. He knew that that was a mental let. He knew that wasn't him. And those weren't just words that he said. He was able to train. He was able to return. He was able to get in there with Raychik. He was able to find success. He was able to go right back after Glover, who ends up not being the guy. He transitions that to Prohaska, who ends up losing the spot, and he agrees to go right back to Glover. Like, Blahovich, for his willingness... I don't think he's ever gotten credit. He was willing to be a stepping stone to Adesanya as we build Adesanya versus John Jones, and he was the champion at the time he did it. That was very rude. That was very rude of us. But he didn't complain once. He didn't complain before it, and he didn't complain after it. And now even in this situation, he was supposed to take on Uncle Liev. It got switched. He was willing to to take on Glover. He ends up still with Uncle Liev. They tack on two rounds. I mean, there is some stuff that you have to give Blahovich and stand back and go, you know what, man? You're the real deal. You are the real deal, and you are real hungry, aren't you? And you tasted glory one time, and you want to get that back. And there's a piece of the story that I feel isn't being told, including by me. I don't know that I've been overly fair to Blahovitz. And the parts where I've been critical of Blahovitz, it's never been because of his skills. Where I've been critical is because of the pressures that come upon you when you are a main event or a marquee guy because you're the champion. So I picked on him for things that he said, or moreover for things that he didn't say. And I never teased Blahovitz once. 
for the ferociousness that he brings when that cage door shuts. And there does seem to be a misconception that this is a guy you can take down and keep there. This is a guy that's fun to play with on your fate. Or more over the way that the mind uh, moved. I mean, it would appear to me, if I'm analyzing those numbers, that would represent that you guys don't think that Blahovitz is the kind of guy that can be around when the end of the night comes, should the end of the night come. That's not what I've seen. I've seen him in championship rounds. I saw him win those rounds. Uncle versus Blahovitz. I don't think it's going the distance. And I don't think you have a new champion. I think you're going to have the return of a former champion. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And I want to tell you guys, I'm going to put out a special UFC 282 recap episode on Sunday. It will be my immediate reaction to Jan Blahovich versus Uncle Liev, Patty the Batty versus Gordon, and more. So be on the lookout for that. Until Sunday, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.